Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking again about the fifth episode of Riverdale Season 3, The Great Escape. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and we are here yet again for another fun off-season spoiler podcast. We still haven't come up with a great name for these, but you know the deal. It's the thing where we take a better podcaster than ourselves, and we bring them onto the show to talk about Riverdale and just spoil everything in general. I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing this evening? Mary, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk to you two days in a row. I'm very excited because when we started this series, we kind of made a list of, of people that we thought would be very fun for this. And I thought that this person probably was too busy for us. But you know what? In the time of a global pandemic, Colin Stone made time for us. Colin, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I am doing very well, guys. You know, all things considered, uh, we are still in the midst of this whole pandemic situation at the time of this recording that hopefully will be cleared up relatively soon. But yeah, I am very happy to be here. I promise I would have been eager to do this podcast, even with the real world going and functioning as normal. I, I have watched exactly one episode of Riverdale now, and I have a ton of questions for you guys, so I'm very excited about this opportunity. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this is great. So excited to talk to you. I feel like Colin is the closest thing to like a traditional golden boy that will get on this podcast. <laughs> and so I maybe he can help provide insight to us about who Archie is and why he is the way that he is. Right. Yeah. Colin, have you ever gone to prison, been forced into a fight club and then had to escape in a very elaborate fashion? Uh, it was. A, it, uh, listen, my past is not what we're here to talk about today. It was a, <laughs> it was weird watching some of these scenes and just kind of having flashbacks. But yeah, uh, this, what? <laughs> no, I, I, I have I, I can I feel like at least I can honestly say just because nothing at least is readily coming to mind. I've done many podcasts at this point in my life. I have never been more confused and excited to get deeper into the weeds on virtually anything than I have than I am here today about Riverdale at the risk of being hyperbolic, which is nothing like me in general. Like I, I feel like normally I go into a podcast and I'm terrified if I don't feel like I can address whatever questions may come up over the course of the conversation. Uh, I am thrilled to be in a situation where I get to be the one just asking the questions, don't have to know anything. Uh, and this just whole extended Riverdale universe seems like potentially one of the wilder kind of operations on TV at this moment. So I'm very eager, as I said, to find out more. But I wanted to ask just before we get into the episode itself, if that's okay. One thing I was really curious about as far as Riverdale goes is just the general popularity of the show. I don't know. I, I don't need exactly act like Nielsen ratings or whatever, but is this like an obscure kind of cult show or is this like the the OC for Gen Z, I guess? I think it's kind of in the middle. Like I don't think it has like the amount of, you know, love and respect that the OC would have. I think it's one of those shows where once it drops on Netflix, a bunch of people watch it and that there's not that many people watching week to week, but it has somehow been renewed for a fifth season, which we did not anticipate when we started covering it in season three. So I guess it's more popular than we think. <laughs> it seems like the writers may not have anticipated it going this 
long. It seems like we have gone down some very weird rabbit holes here. Yeah, the the peak of its viewership, at least live, was definitely season two when it had a solid around 1.5 million viewers tuning in every week. The premiere of season two actually had 2.34 million viewers coming off of the first season, which was pretty not heard of. It was a lot quieter of a show. And I think the thing is that like season one happened, then it dropped to Netflix and then people got interested and so watched live for season two for some of it. I think it's got a very loyal viewership and a viewership that is, you've either never heard of Riverdale or you love Riverdale and you're following everyone on the cast and listening to podcasts about it and making fan art kind of from what I've seen. But Mary, where do I lay then? You're an enigma because you (laughs) watched it and then I forced you into a podcast. You don't really count. Do you have other friends in real life who watch it? Well, our other friend, Hannah, who co-hosts our season one and two episodes that we are going back and doing right now, she watches it. And I have a couple friends who watched the first at least two seasons and they were the ones who told me about it. And then I don't know if they've kept up with it or not. But for me, it was a show that I binge watched the first two seasons in like a weekend. And then I came away from, you know, watching 30 episodes thinking I'm addicted to this show, but I have no clue if it's good or not. I haven't been able to determine that. (laughs) Four seasons in, I think I can safely say I'm still addicted to it, but it's definitely not like a great show. So I don't know what you're talking about. I thought this was an airtight script. All (laughs) all 42 minutes seemed perfect. Yeah, and I I have like I had a few friends that were very excited about Riverdale when it started. My one friend Mark actually has a jughead tattoo, like the art from the original comics, and I don't even think he's still watching Riverdale. So I don't I think a lot of people fell off. Most of the Riverdale content that I follow, I I follow a couple YouTubers who pretty regularly make videos about the show. And the videos are all just like what is ridiculous this week on Riverdale, which is much in the same light that our podcast is. I I say we we are poking fun, but like in a in a lighthearted way where we're still watching the show and we still want the show to happen. I'm going to speak for myself on that one. I'm not going to I don't know if Kirsten still wants the show to (laughs) happen. I'm a hostage. We certainly did not think that there would be a fifth season renewal when we started podcasting. So is it generally viewed through this kind of lens of the audience is kind of in on the joke of this being a a bit contrived at points? I believe so. God, I hope so. At least everyone I know who watches it, it's like they like the style of the show, but they know that it's absolutely ridiculous and the writing is terrible. I mean, it's it's a pretty common thing to look up the actors on the show. They have a lot of interviews and a lot of clips online of like them dissing the show itself. So, (laughs) I mean, I think they like they love the cast. They love doing it, but they also realize that it's ridiculous and think the scripts are trash and stuff. Uh Mary's trying to be cool right now. This is Mary's favorite show. She follows all of the cast on Instagram. She's constantly blowing up my phone with updates on who's dating in real life and who's not. And I'm just Uh rejecting the premise that she's sitting here acting like she's too cool for Riverdale. Mary loves this show. Do they all date each other in real life? 
Yeah, so um, Betty and, and Jughead, the actors who play them, they like literally just broke up after three years of being together. Wow. And then uh, the actors who play uh, Veronica and Archie dated for a while, and then they broke Wait, up. Wait, did they? Didn't they? No, Veronica dated Reggie. I but thought I don't she think... dated Archie and then Reggie. I don't know about that. That's, well, anyways, don't trust me on news about these relationships, because Mary would know better than me. Anyway, so then, yeah, Veronica, um, in the show, stopped dating Archie, and then in real life during that time was dating the actor who plays Reggie who thank god we had an episode with a heavy new Reggie presence yes yeah so they're they're all hanging out and being young hot people together I mean this seems like a no-brainer to me in terms of taking it to the next level kind of movie within a movie or maybe a tv show within a tv show of I would be much more interested in watching like a behind the scenes documentary of the entanglements going on between these actors on this mega popular tv show than the this is why a lot of people follow them on instagram and stuff like look i'm not the kind of person who's like googling timeline of these people's relationship i follow three of them kirsten three on instagram and so i i like to get some of the behind the scenes there which is kind of fun well no okay i follow four because i also follow skeet Ulrich. forgot about him yeah i can't forget fp jones but but yeah i mean it's not like I, i'm a middle 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 fan of that but they certainly do have more interesting going-ons than the show but it is one of those shows that took definitely took the real life relationships and incorporated that into the script for better or for worse i mean that's my idea copyright colin stone 2020 but i think that would be great as the behind the scenes drama of these high profile stars on this or any other uh, kind of teen show i think would often be much more compelling i mean i okay, i feel like that actually goes back to a conversation you had on a podcast with casual anna recently if something you say happens on our podcast don't we at least own like part of that maybe uh but in, <laughs> uh, in the i'm just getting ready to have like a legal battle over the rights to the documentary behind the scenes of riverdale <laughs> yeah uh, i maybe it is possible that it is arguable in a court of law that you should own own some piece of that intellectual property for kind of leading me down this path but since you can't prove it one way or the other i'm going to say a hard no i own 100 percent of it Anyways, at least we have this recording for a future legal case. Uh, <laughs> so, so Colin, what is your background with like Riverdale Archie Comics? When did you first hear about it? Do you have any kind of understanding of Archie Comics as they existed? Yeah, so I definitely remember it was it would have had to be like the mid to late 90s when I was like 9, 10, 11, 12 or so. I don't I really can't recall any of the specifics of how I got my hands on these, but there was definitely a time where I had some Archie comics, like maybe, I don't know, 20 to 30 total Archie comics that I did really enjoy. It's not like I was rereading them every year or whatever, but there was a brief window where I was, at the very least, an enthusiast of the Archie universe. I don't have a ton of memories that really stand out from that, if that wasn't clear already at this point, in terms of like plot lines or character notes or whatever, but I definitely am aware of the Archie universe itself. And as I was watching the episode with a couple of of exceptions, I feel like I was pretty good at figuring out who was who from uh, my memory of the Archie comics. So, uh, yeah, not a, not a diehard fan, but certainly familiar enough with the comic books themselves. I have never seen the TV show itself. This remains the only episode I've seen, although I did listen to you guys on Robin Akivanita podcast back uh, at whenever that was, a year or so ago at this point, and a few things definitely stayed in my memory 
from there mm. that I was able I'll to also kind of... King. Yeah, that I was able to weave in here uh, and to help kind of put some of the pieces together. Nice. Yeah, well, now we have yet another person on this podcast who has more of an understanding of Archie comics than I do. Oh, wow. My history of Archie comics was I knew it existed and then the song Sugar Sugar and that's it. <laughs> so... Uh, dude, oh, well. are, are Archie comics still being made and like? Yes, they updated? are. Yeah, so they've con- they've continued to be released. They, I, I don't know what kind of plot lines are going on now. We did a quick Google search when we did one of these episodes with Mike Bloom and discovered that there was an entire Archie comics edition about Dilton Doily being possessed by a sentient jean jacket. So it does actually make sense that the show Riverdale would be as crazy as it is. But yeah, we have no idea what's currently going on in the the Archie comics universe. Okay, good at least that the comic books are able to keep it going. I have no idea if they started in 1991 or 1961. I have no idea how long Archie has been running. It obviously has that old-timey feel to it, but I don't know if that was... Oh, I'm sure it's been since the 50s. Yeah. I think it's... The Archie comics was founded in 1939, and... Yeah, so it's been, I know that there's definitely uh, 40s started printing out the comic books, but they they are still going and there's a lot of stuff that the show has taken a lot of characters, such as Kevin Keller, Tony Topaz, who were added more recently, so in the last couple decades. Okay, well, job well done either way in the Archie universe, keeping uh, that going for a while, but is it the case that, it sounds like it may be the case at least, that the cast are pretty ready to wrap this up whenever the network is ready to shut it down i don't know i mean they signed on to this fifth season which is so where we are currently in this third season that you watched an episode of that was in their junior years of high school season four covers their senior year of high school and then season five it sounds like they're going to be jumping five years in the future so they could be doing a one tree hill kind of thing and then going on from there or it might just end up being kind of a bust and we'll have like the oc just kind of one final season that's a little bit different than the other ones okay uh yeah, you, now that you say that of course i did hear about that that they're doing the big time jump yes which will at least put the characters in the show closer to the age of the actors but still off by a little bit how old I think. Uh, how old is the average high schooler uh, how much older are they than they're supposed to be uh, I think they're in, all in terms like of main cast around cast. 25 it, okay. it depends some of them like uh yeah i think there's a lot that are around 25 and then there's a couple like cole sprouse who's a little bit older and then you've got i think archie and betty their actors are the youngest at what like 22 23 something were in that range but when they started i know they were i mean you know, have like a 19 year old playing a 15 year old that's that whatever but the the show really plays fast and loose with how old these characters are sometimes they'll mention like getting their driver's license and sometimes they'll act like they've been you know in college for several years it just really depends okay i was wondering just because i saw archie has like a tattoo and he's i, I didn't realize it was even oh, juvenile hall okay, i thought so- it was the tattoo. <laughs> the tattoo. You need to know about the tattoo. Okay. He got that tattoo when he found out he was going to prison. And it's the the gang sign of the Southside Serpents. And so he got that tattoo in an attempt to have that gang protect him in juvenile detention. So I remember, I feel like I at least remember hearing about the Southside Serpents from your appearance with Robin Akiva. But I didn't remember virtually any of the details about that. It seems like, is, is Betty also in the Southside Serpents or is she just... 
just really good on a motorcycle and has uh, stole one of their heavy look heavy asterisks on is she in the south side of uh, serpents we had a discussion the, on this she did the initiation she I, did part of but the she initiation never got the jacket so i don't at this point i don't is this after wait no this is after jughead asked her to be the serpent queen though right, right so she's technically the quote-unquote serpent queen which means that she is the lady in charge but she's not actually like a full-fledged member and it's a lot like how she tried out to be a cheerleader and was a cheerleader for a couple episodes but then like the cheerleaders go on and do their own thing and she's just not there anymore and we don't know why pretty much most of the scenes with the serpents she's not there participating but then every once in a while she'll pop up and be like i'm the serpent queen so so uh, was sorry for hopping all over the place here and asking questions that i'm sure literally every single listener knows the answer to but kind of like 50s doo-wop gang looking guys that were with jughead are those also serpents yes because jughead is the (laughs) The head of the serpent i like that descriptor for them i think it makes sense i think that there is a heavy doo-wop energy to the south side serpents and i see no problem with that comparison okay i didn't realize they were part of the same establishment that uh these leather jackets that seemed really nice and custom made were all a part of that these 16 year olds are somehow acquiring uh (laughs) but one of many questions that i had about this episode but before i get too buried in all of that one kind of larger question that i had because of maybe it was more specific to this episode but i know a lot of shows that do kind of overt homages to various other kind of mainstream media like we saw with shawshank redemption here in this episode is this a regular thing for riverdale is this is this something they do commonly because i I feel like for most shows that do it it is a semi-regular thing yes so this is a pretty regular thing for this show there the the next episode has several references to the movie scream as well so it is kind of a similar thing they definitely play off of the titles of the episodes a lot and and make those connections they've dabbled in different kind of theming like that it's usually does not go over super well but it comes across very transparent with like the prison here is called Shangshaw or not this one but there, <laughs> no, there no, is no. a prison there is sorry a there prison is a prison called, called Shangshaw. This, pr- this prison is called Leopold and Lola yeah yeah the two murderers that um they they uh were two teen boys they were very affluent and they decided they wanted to commit the perfect crime basically just because they they thought that they could and they killed a young boy in I think the 50s my favorite murder did an episode about it and it is mind-blowing having this place be called Shankshaw would have been almost exactly what I would have expected. <laughs> so yes, but there there is a prison called Shankshaw. They talk yeah. about Shankshaw being like the adult prison. I'm glad. I'm so happy to hear that that exists <laughs> in this universe. And yeah, by the way, I saw that the episode was just called The Great Escape. So I read the whole Wikipedia for the movie The Great Escape and the book The Great Escape, so I could be like <laughs> in on whatever references See, they were about. Kristen to- laughs because she doesn't even take notes on the episodes we watch. <laughs> I, the idea that Colin is such a better guest than I am a co-host, like it makes complete sense to me because of just who Colin is as a person You're and who I am ice. as a person. Next what? time you mess Replace up, I'm me. just going to call Colin. Yeah, that's fine. Replace me. I don't care. I just wanted to be in on whatever number of references to The Great Escape they were about to make. And then I showed up and it was nothing but Shawshank as far as I knew. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. So other than that, so like, what was your overall kind of view of this episode? Did you leave it feeling confused, entertained? Like, wh- how how was the process of actually watching this episode? For oh you? my god. I mean, confused doesn't even begin to describe it. Entertained, definitely. It never at any point felt like a chore or like any of the scenes were lagging, which I'd honestly I was a bit nervous about. But I really did enjoy watching this episode on the whole. I don't know if sitting and binging two full seasons in one weekend is necessarily what's going to be happening next for me. But I did think for what it was that, and I say that with all due respect, by the way, I understand that this is, I am not necessarily the demographic here, the target demo as the network is, as far as the network is concerned. But yeah, overall, definitely an interesting episode. And right away, I knew I was going to be in for a treat and I was concerned that I was going to be super confused the whole time. Just from the previously on, there was a lot being thrown at me that made absolutely no sense. But uh, I think because of my aforementioned kind of familiarity with just the Archie characters and being able to slide in roughly who was who relatively early on, it made it a lot easier. But yeah, even having heard you guys on Renap, I really was unprepared for what I was uh, in store for over the next 42 minutes or so. So I, what, where do you guys usually dive in? What's a good place to dive in in terms of things that went on in this episode? Do I just ask you questions or what? Yeah, so basically this episode kind of has the two plot lines uh, that kind of converge. The one plot line being the the Griffins and Gargoyle, I don't know, is it a raid? I don't know what it's called. Quest, I'm very, I think is what they were calling quest, it. A quest, thank you. The quest and then the other is the, you know, prison fight club and Archie's escape and then they kind of come together because Jughead bases the quest off of that. So Mary, what do you think? How, how should we frame this? So first off, I just want to say we are actively trying to pick very wild and kind of not confusing but just over the top episodes for our guests so i will maintain that if you went and watched the premiere episode of season one ignore kirsten because she doesn't like season one although on our we just i just finished editing the finale we did on season one and at the time kirsten very much enjoyed it even though she'll deny it now Mm, that seems fake (laughs) but i'm also not going back to listen to it so feel free to slander me if you go back and watch the first episode of Riverdale season one, I think you will find that it is a little bit different. Like the tone is similar, but it's it's way less off the walls. It's just Mary. more of like, sh- be quiet. No. It's Mary, more, the pilot look. of Riverdale begins with two twins getting into a boat in the river and then one twin doesn't come home. You're led to believe the twins are dating. Someone is murdered. People are missing. It's not normal. You need to stop acting like it's normal. Okay, what I'm saying is that it is normal for a TV show to take a, you know, property and then try to turn it into a little bit more of like a murder mystery type thing. They, they're they doing that with Nancy Drew and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, okay? They, they've done that. Both of those so, things are already <coughs> mysteries. Uh, mm-hmm. For yeah, the record, thanks. Nancy Drew solves a lot of crime. You may or may not know that. Okay, you're right. But but this is, you know, I think, I think it makes sense that they're like, ooh, wouldn't it be fun to take the nice, pretty, clean RG Comics characters and then put them in a town where crazy stuff happens. But the crazy stuff that happens in the first season is just like a um, murder mystery. Some kid gets murdered and they want to find out who killed them. That That's basically it. And there's like bizarre things that happen and there's lots of cringy moments, but it's not to the level of there's a game in the town that everyone is playing that's taking over their mind. And there's literally a person dressed up like a twig monster and somebody's in prison that they were imprisoned by their girlfriend's father and 
now they're in a secret fight club and have to escape. That is a different level. Season three <laughs> is like 300% more crazy than season one. What were you asking? How, how we got here? What, what the like background for this episode I was? also just would like to point out for the record that Archie did get due process and was convicted by a jury of his peers. Hiram just like messed with the evidence to make it seem like Archie did a murder. But it's not like Hiram just threw him in prison. There, like, He did go through a trial. Right. So this season, basically where we're at is it's the beginning of their junior year. We're only a few weeks into the school year. In the previous season, previous season finale, Veronica, so Archie's girlfriend, Veronica, her father, who is a mobster, he did some crimes. Archie found out about them and then basically threatened Hiram to expose him. And Hiram Lodge was like, nah, kid, I'm going to make it look like you committed crimes and we're going to throw you in jail. So now Archie's in jail. And like Kristen said, there's the other people in there belong to one of two gangs, either the ghoulies or the serpents for the most part. So Archie's best friend, who is the king of the serpents, Jughead, he's trying to get in with the serpents. A 16-year-old is the king of this prison gang? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There were adults, but we don't really know what happened to them. The, and the <laughs> other thing, too, so the other gang is called the ghoulies, who I have previously described as tweaking juggalos. And the ghoulies that are in Juvie are there because of Archie, because Archie called the police to get them arrested for drag racing. Okay, so not not a favorable political dynamic here for, for Archie. The first episode where Archie's in prison, the ghoulies beat him up and take his shoes. Oh, that seems not that bad, considering how else that could have gone in, in prison. But uh... Yeah, he would have been fine. He would have had the protection from the serpents. The Joaquin guy who stabs him in this episode actually tries to give Archie that same prison shiv and tells him to murder a ghoulie and then he'll get the serpent's protection. But Archie won't do a murder, so Joaquin, then he doesn't who was also previously dating Kevin Keller, who is one of Betty's friends, who was, was in the sheriff. I do son. know, yeah, I, I noticed son, Kevin yeah. along the way here. Yes. So basically, Archie's gotten into this prison. The prison warden dude, who we find out in this episode, is also playing this game, Griffins and Gargoyles, which also showed up in this season. Season three is the first time this game is introduced. It's Dungeons and Dragons, but the people who play it go crazy. A lot of the people who are playing it are also on a drug called Fizzle Rocks that we find out later, which is literally Pop Rocks, but it's a drug. Uh, not exactly sure how it works. So everyone's like mind controlled and obsessed with this game, with the exception of Betty, who talked to her mom, found out that the game was here in the past, and is like, yo, Jughead, we can't play it. It's crazy. It'll make us kill people. And he's like, nah, I'm the king of the game, and it's gonna be great. So basically everything that happens in this episode with the game going on, I don't think actually relates to the prison escape. It was just a fun thematic thing they did. Yeah, they did uh, a couple of nice jobs, I thought, kind of weaving some Jughead narration over what was happening with Archie in jail or in the fight club that kind of tied the two things together. But yeah, on my notes here, just in terms of major storylines that I thought I should be aware of as I was watching early on, I just have Archie is in jail and Jughead is playing murder Jumanji. Obviously, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons and uh, the overall parallel, but I thought it seemed to me like just because of this is now apparently a game that has spanned a couple of decades or whatever, I would love to find out a little bit more about all of this. I, I gather this is a relatively new kind of plot line, which seems uh, a bit weird to just kind of pop up after a couple of years if it's been impacting the whole town like this, but the main kind of like world in this uh, G&G universe is Elderver, which is an anime 
anagram for Riverdale, which is so perfect uh, on this show. And it sounds like, according to Jughead, it's only played by people in Riverdale. And it's like a, a very obvious kind of parallel with Riverdale. I don't know if it's too early for kind of spoilers on where this whole storyline goes, but I am fascinated to find out more about how we got to this point and where this whole thing ends up going up with the twig monster and so forth. So... <laughs> good question that's a great question (laughs) i don't think we ever really get a strong answer of how this game returned to riverdale okay it it just popped up out of like it it kind of just popped up at the end of the premiere to season three and we find out that dilton doily was playing it with um, a, a boy named benjamin button Kirsten Dunst was just finding it in the attic and rolled the dice and everything popped up again. That is exactly right. Kirsten Dunst found it in the attic and it's called Murder Jumanji. I think that's very funny, um, by the way. And so then as this G&G plotline kind of carries on, different people get more and more, you know, swept up in it, into it. And Jughead is definitely one of the people who gets the most swept up into it. And it kind of ends with Cheryl Blossom's mom has been controlling the person who's dressing as the gargoyle oil king as well as the black hood who is the serial killer from season two and they've been kind of causing problems and after they defeat penelope blossom the the gargoyle king just kind of goes away again is that so it was someone kind of under mind control from cheryl blossom cheryl's mom is the the one in control i'm sorry excuse me penelope blossom yeah and she I, i don't it never really is is clear but in the finale of this season kind of the whole gang to Together does like one massive quest and it's like if they get through this then they can leave and if they don't get through it they're gonna die and it- it's complicated also because there's another plot line that wasn't in this episode but is it through a lot of season three that has to do with this cult coming to town and taking over people also Hiram so he's like the main bad guy he is also running drugs and the drugs are a big part of this game too so like you have three things that are kind of happening simultaneously simultaneously that don't really connect but like every once in a while the characters talk so like while Hiram doesn't I don't think know who the the gargoyle king is he's definitely benefiting off of the paranoia in the town to increase his drug sales and same thing with the farm uh, the cult so yeah by the end of the season it kind of just goes away and people stop playing the game and it that's kind of it it's not really ever it, the whole time that in the show it seems like the game is actually controlling people's minds when really it's just like coincidence the the game started in this it's insane asylum that's also in town and the the fake nuns at the insane asylum created the game in order to help the insane cope with like their lives but the game was brought into the real world by Cheryl Blossom's mom a long time ago in order to get back at some people and then her son dies and so now the whole thing is like her trying to get back at her peers who didn't help her when her son died and let her be married off to her adopted brother is just so she was she was the killer back decades ago and is again now essentially that's what we're led to believe she poisoned someone a long time ago and she has been poisoning people now but she's not like directly picking people to poison it's more like she brought back a game that encourages people to poison themselves and they're just doing it got it and so why were all the parents so 
like shaken and defensive about everything that went down all the decades ago. The episode that occurred prior to this one, I believe, was called The yes. Midnight Club, and it was about all of their parents when they used to play G&G together. And it basically starts out as like they're all in detention and they're all from different walks of life and they uh, kind of come together through G&G. <laughs> so and it was, for... it was there, did they serve breakfast at this Midnight Club? No, it was at night. It was at midnight. It's very different from The Breakfast Club. Okay. And so they they find the game when they're in detention and they all play it and it's like for weeks and weeks they're all friends all playing this game and then when they have like the final quest they do it at the school at night and that's when the principal ends up dying and I think all of them were just so shaken by the fact that like maybe one of the people in their friend group is a murderer but maybe also not that they just swore to never speak of it again to never associate with each other again to just like get out clean and they have because nobody really knows that they were involved or at the school at the time that that principal died and so I think they're all just very hesitant for A, their children to go down the same path they did and and maybe someone murder someone or also to get caught in what they've covered up for so many years. Okay and another just kind of general question I had about Jughead and his whole operation. We saw him at a couple different locations over the course of this episode but the one I was really curious about at first I thought it was like does he live in the sewer? What is this? And it turns <laughs> out it turns out to be is this the place where they keep Archie at the end is this Dilton Doily's old hangout or whatever it is what what is this yes. weird submarine kind of looking room so Dilton Doily was like a crazy like survivalist like the kind of people who are going to stock up on you know canned food and could wait outweigh the end of the world kind of situation oh it's a bunker got it and so okay. it's a bunker underground and we call it the bang bunker because basically the teens just go there to hook up got it okay that that makes a lot more sense to me now and where was we saw Jughead also during that crazy scene where he was like getting the gang all on board to like do the next mission or whatever and then the girl like shoots the arrow at his head uh, with the can on top of it and that was pretty hardcore I don't know a where that was or b potentially more important kind of follow-up question here does the Riverdale universe have kind of a mystical element to it or is this intended to be like the real world like how how is that girl so good at shooting arrows and how does he have that kind of confidence in her unless this is kind of like a Hunger Games situation or whatever it's supposed to be real this season did like dabble in ooh maybe it maybe it's mystical but it wasn't actually really except these two babies did get dropped into a fire and then they floated and we still have no explanation for why that happened or how that happened and I'm furious about that I want to know we're still mad about that particular plot hole but other than that it's everything is generally explained by saying like Cheryl she's just really good with the bow and arrow that's kind of her thing and Jughead is mind obsessed with this game and he has lack of sleep and he has a lot of pride and so that's why he just assumed that it would work I don't know okay uh it seems like I wish I had a better answer seems like a bit of a a leap of faith but there were uh, a few points along the way here for me most notably when Archie was escaping out the drain and they show up and the exit is like locked with a padlock and they're like oh damn how are we gonna get around this one and then betty just like uses her bare hands to effortlessly take the lock off and everything's fine immediately i thought was pretty good and there was another one that i have written down here somewhere that i can't immediately locate but it doesn't seem like they're too hung up on clever plot solutions necessarily they're they're fine with saying just don't worry about it betty has picked numerous locks 
shocks over the course of the series and she has also what's the word mary what am, you know exactly what i'm talking about why can't i think of this word what she's the like bomb s- sleuthing oh yeah she um disabled a bomb no Is that's that not what i was for? thinking about Dismantle? But, uh, i don't know what i was thinking activated i don't know i don't know but she basically she stops a, a bomb from from going off going as off. well with a bobby pin at, at one point in season four so betty's just full with like all kinds of fun hidden skills like she's broken into a car at one point she has she has every skill that you would need to be a, a teen sleuth yeah one of the early thoughts i had and this aged very poorly was when betty was initially like getting involved in breaking when i was finding out at least about betty wanting to help break archie out of jail this episode uh, my, my very first thought was no one who wears sweaters is going to be of any use to you in breaking out of jail but it seems like uh some very hidden talents here on betty sweaters are a practical garment and people who can break you out of prison have to know practicality that's so rude to to betty <laughs> all right uh anyway yeah i did have probably of many more questions than questions answered over the course of this episode as things pertain to murder jumanji and that whole plot line but do we end up with a situation where jughead reaches level three or whatever and gets to have a big showdown with is that twig is the twig monster the gargoyle king or is penelope blossom the gargoyle king or is there some the the gargoyle king is actually a previous sort of bad guy from the previous season who was like a person that betty's mom thought was her long lost son but it actually wasn't her long lost son it was an imposter it was if you've ever watched one tree hill literally the same thing happened in that show but yeah so this guy shows up and then basically penelope blossom thinks that he kind of looks like her dead son and so she takes him under her wing okay standard move and then the other thing i was wondering about from the whole g and g storyline here is the warden and we haven't talked too much about the whole jail storyline on the other side of this episode at this point but we see we get a bit I, i guess it was probably a big reveal that archie's brand that he got from the warden was some sort of g and g related thing and we see the warden before he kills himself looking through the g and g cards what was his role in everything uh as far as that was all concerned pretty sure he was manipulated by Hiram to like believe in the whole g and g thing yeah so he he was definitely in Hiram's pocket and so Hiram got Archie you know put in jail for a crime he didn't commit but that's not enough for him he wants Archie dead in order to you know really tie up all the loose ends and so he kind of gets the the warden on board using I guess g and g which we didn't know until this episode and that's kind of why Archie ends up in this you know teen fight club and uh, is is about to to die uh-huh and at the end when he kills himself I I mean obviously a parallel there with Shawshank as well and I was wondering if maybe that was the main motivation or why why did he end up going out it was kind of like a Game of Thrones Thrones-esque kind of poisoning but it was like green slime coming out of his mouth it looked like a Nickelodeon kind of death what was the ultimate motivation there I guess or was that just kind of to make it more Shawshank-esque and that guy by the way was great at pulling off the I, I don't know if you guys are big Shawshank fans or whatever people out there listening but like the warden in Shawshank is literally 
Soccer League named Warden Norton, and he has those same round glasses. And there are many other Shawshank parallels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure many people picked up on that. <laughs> it doesn't take a film degree, I would say, to, to notice those sort of things. If you are, especially for me, someone from Maine, where Stephen King is like the only famous person that has ever existed, <laughs> was there, what, what prompted him to end up killing himself? Fear of Hiram killing him in some more gruesome way because he let Archie go or what? I think he was like fully drawn into the the murder Jumanji of it all. And so by failing his mission, he was like, well, now I have to die. Okay. So that, and what ends up becoming of the brand that he put on Archie? What's the significance of that? So at the end of the first episode, when Dilton and uh, Ben Button are found, they have the same brands or at least what similar brands and maybe one that's the same are on their backs, which is part of what makes their death so like interesting to Jughead and Betty. So then having Archie having the same brand kind of ties it together. All right. And so I guess I, I may have other questions about the G&G stuff that come up along the way, but the primary kind of plot development over the course of this episode is with Archie and breaking out of this jail. How long has he been in the jail at this point? Is this like a big moment in the series where he finally gets out? I Well, this he's been in the jail for, I guess, three ep- or four episodes, episode two, three, four, and five, so four episodes. And I think over, it's probably been like a month, if that long. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't there that long. And, and how did this fight club all come about? Is this organized by Hiram as a means for Archie to eventually die? Or is this a running thing that people are big fans of in the greater jail voyeurism community? I think the fight club already existed before Archie got there. So I don't think it's just a means for him to die, but definitely Hiram would not be mad if Archie died from it. I think it's just another one of his like under the what, like the black market, not black market. What am I trying to say? Like under underground, underground, child fight club. Yeah, underground yeah. businesses kind of that he has. So when Archie first gets to prison, his like cellmate is Mad Dog Monroe, who's the man he's supposed to fight at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he's, I, I found it very funny on the rewatch when he's like, Mad Dog, it's me, Archie. And it's like, obviously he knows who you are, Archie. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I did gather that they had some sort of history there. I had, They knew each other for like two days. I, they were cellmates. I would say th- <laughs> the person about whom I had the most questions, which is probably saying a lot based on this being the only episode of Riverdale I've ever seen. And there's a lot of wild stuff going on with many different people. But Veronica, it seems like, is in uh, a, a very interesting position here as the daughter of this mob boss, apparently, in this iteration of the Riverdale universe, where she seems to be decidedly against her dad's kind of agenda of murdering Archie. She wants to help set him free, and she's like sneaking in Ocean's Eleven style to this fight club. It really seems like she could be doing more to get some awareness on all of her dad's activities if she's really that strongly against it. And you've you stumbled across what makes us the most mad because she's always vocally against him and also tells him all of her plans to stop him <laughs> when if she just played along, she could get a lot more information and, and actually succeed. Yeah, constantly. Every, you know, couple times a season, Hiram is like, Veronica, let's just get on the same page. Join me. We're going to be awesome together. I want to bring you into the fold, into the family. And instead of saying, okay, daddy, that sounds great. And then like using that to undermine him from the inside, she instead says, no, daddy, you're the worst. I would never do that. And also here's all the evidence 
evidence I have against you <laughs> that I'm going to now use to get rid of you. It's it's ridiculous. It's also just like, he's got to be the bad guy. So at the end of this season, they do get him arrested on a lot of charges. And then immediately in season four, he's just like breaks out of jail. Because well, he also they, owns the yeah, jail. They put him in the jail that he owns. And so even when he's in prison, he's able to just like leave and go like terrorize his child uh, That's in, wild. in season four. And I also did remember from your Renap appearance that she owns some kind of like underground speakeasy and so when that popped up this episode it didn't uh, that at least uh, I had some sort of preparation for but I would have been totally lost at how old these people were supposed to be uh, if I had not known that going in like I'm not sure there's much over the course of this one episode that really establishes that they're supposed to be 16 I probably would have guessed like early 20s sight if I didn't know that this was the Riverdale universe and I didn't have all of their Riverdale names kind of you know their Archie comics kind of names as a frame of reference for me but it, like one of the thoughts that I ended up having is is there really necessarily anything about the Archie universe that is essential to all of the plot lines here or does this just kind of happen to be the kids from Archie going through this teen drama kind of lifestyle that's something that a lot of the viewers talked about especially during season one is the fact that the show is really or the the comics were really about Archie who is you know this boy constantly struggling to decide between at least two if not more girls mostly Betty and Veronica and then he's got his friend Jughead and there's Archie and some other people for the most part they pretty much immediately said nope Archie's gonna be with Veronica and Betty's gonna be with Jughead and even if the characters or actors break up I think that's where the show wants to end the situation is them being together surprisingly for a CW and a teen show they have not dabbled anywhere near as much as they could in like making more interesting relationship dynamics and having the couples break up and date each other and so that's pretty surprising they've pretty much stuck with these two couples only very very recently at the end of season four did we even contemplate going back to like Betty and Archie being a thing and it felt super weird because they hadn't done it in four seasons and so people were not really into that other than that besides like occasional references and the fact that the every all the characters have ridiculous names like Penny Peabody and yeah. Ben Button and stuff like that. Besides that, it's pretty much it. I mean, like, you know, Jughead's sister Jellybean will show up and people will be like, oh, she's in the comics. But in the comics, she's not a grease monkey who is part of a gang as well. So, you know, that's like not really a thing. They do start a band at one point very briefly and there's Pop's Diner and that's like pretty much the only stuff that's crucial about the comic. Is that where we went for a nice milkshake after the whole sequence near the end there to kind of wrap up? Yes. Yeah, I, I thought that was very, very funny that they go through this yeah. like lifelong traumatic experience potentially and then just go break it down over a malted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Josie and the Pussycats. That's the only other one. But the it's now just Josie and actually now in season four and five, like no, not even Josie. Oh, she's there's, gone. I liked no her. More. Josie is in a, a spinoff show called Katie Keen, which also originates from the Archie comics. So there are many shows that have spun off now. So there's Riverdale, then there's Katie Keen, and there's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And I feel like there's another one, but I forgot. So I guess there's just those two. Yeah, but those are those are all Archie comics. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is much more fun than Riverdale. Yeah, I, I was into all of that back when I, I'm sure I had at least a couple issues of each of the spinoffs back in the 90s. Where I definitely remember a lot of those names. One other question I had just about just thinking about the uh, 
kind of recap at the diner reminded me of the lifelong to the grave vow of silence that I paused and counted 11 people who were age 16 <laughs> or so ended up taking. How long did that take to end up not being a, a thing anymore? Luckily, Archie is going to escape from the underground bunker and go on the run in like two episodes, I think, and uh, possibly even the one after this. So he's going to do that. And then while he's on the run or right, right as he leaves to go on the run, he's going to get his name cleared anyway so no one really has a chance to do that yeah veronica finds the evidence that exonerates him just like on her mom's computer i think yeah immediately i I loved that veronica like at some point said something to the effect of like well plan a was trying to go through the innocence project but we got a dead end there so now plan b is going to the mob and plan c is literally breaking him out of jail it seemed like a bit of a an extreme jump there we talked about this at the time of how ridiculous it was is that they're like, here's our secret underground bunker that nobody knows about except the people in this room. And there are like 11 people in the room. Yeah. And it's it's ridiculous. That number will increase by at least five or six more by the point we're at now where pretty much everyone has either had sex or been locked in the bunker. Yeah, most of them have locked a parent in there by the point we're at currently. Which completely defeats the purpose. How, how, but, uh, how okay. common are the, not necessarily gratuitous, maybe some of them are well-earned, but like... It was very funny to me when Archie is going through this awful experience being framed. He's in jail. He's in this fight club. He finally gets to see Veronica for the first time in I don't know how long, but I'm guessing it's been at least a minute. And and before we can get to the plan to help break you out, first we're going to have sex. Uh, Is that something that the show leans on pretty heavily? It certainly happens a lot, but I do do think that in that situation, most 16-year-old boys would be- (laughs) trying to take advantage of that opportunity. That's fair. That is fair. They've all taken their turns having an episode. I think Jughead might be the only one who hasn't had had an episode that's pretty much the the individual's character arc is entirely, I just want to have as much sex as I can. I know that Archie, Veronica, and Betty have all had that. Yeah, the the best is in season four when, um, so Jughead fakes his own death and the people at Jughead's prep school are trying to figure out if he's dead or alive because they think they killed him, but they're not sure. And the one character realizes that there's no way he's dead because Betty could not go more than two hours without having sex with Jughead. (laughs) Actually, now that it's crossed my mind, who did I see in this episode that is dead now on the show? Oh, that's a good point. It's Joaquin is de- Joaquin is dead, right? Yeah, Joaquin dies in like the next episode. What I'm was it? Sure. So you said he was with Kevin when he was in the non-juvenile hall, hall world. He seemed to be a complicated guy uh, on this. He actually disappeared for two seasons and then, or disappeared for a season and then came back. So it's for like Gendry. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he ju- yeah. he disappeared and then we find out at the beginning of season three that he's been in juvie that whole time because there was riots in Riverdale and he got arrested right. in the riots. Yeah, so he. Was was, he was partially implicated in the murder of season one, which is why him and Kevin broke up. Okay. He, he didn't actually commit the m- crime, but he did, like, was he- part of the cover-up. He was an accessory to murder. Yeah, that's why they broke up, and Kevin has had at least two other relationships since then, I'm pretty sure. So he's doing fine. Yeah, besides Joaquin, yeah, did anyone dead? else die? 
by hmm. trying to think Josie not on the show anymore I don't was Fred Andrews in this episode I mean the actor no, passed Fred, away and yeah, so the character Luke died Perry was not oh in yeah episode. I was I was disappointed that I didn't get uh, any Luke Perry in this that was like the one thing yeah. I was most looking forward to oh, oh sorry in. we could have picked a different episode jeez uh, I'm not sure not, none of the kids I don't think have died there's there's surprising like there are a lot of deaths especially in this season it's just none of these people yeah a lot of the deaths that happen are just like random people like the death count of Riverdale is higher than you would think because it's like oh yeah these like 20 nuns all killed themselves uh, and that kind of thing happens or, okay yeah <laughs> artificially kind of running the numbers yeah, up potentially it, exactly <laughs> like yeah well and there there's a couple people who we thought were dead up until this point and then they come back and so that kind of thing happens yeah I, I'm it, I, I get the sense that they're they're willing to take some liberties potentially yeah uh, in many different areas uh, one thing that I feel like actually bringing up at a completely random time is pretty perfect that, that stood out to me from this episode is it was feeling to me like we were pretty deep into moving forward with both of the kind of main plot lines and then I literally checked the time 10 minutes and 47 seconds into this episode like a, over a quarter of the way into the episode we get hit with the Riverdale title card is that a standard thing because I don't know that I've ever seen a show take that long to get to the title card yeah that happens a lot it, it was not as much early on but I've I've been noticing that when I've been re-watching these episodes that I, I attribute it to the fact that like most episodes have at least two if not three four or five plots going on at one time and so they usually want to set up all of the plots before they do that title card and season three and four it is not unheard of to have a Archie plot a Veronica plot a Betty and Jughead plot and then like a Cheryl plot and then you get the title card so it certainly sometimes is ridiculous I'm just imagining watching it with commercials and it's like the second commercial break you get the yeah <laughs> that's that was very funny to me and then also one random gripe that I have about TV in general and this is not at all specific to Riverdale but I have had this thought forever and I've never gotten to complain about it on any kind of podcast airwaves and this is I thought uh, the perfect opportunity although maybe I did actually now that I'm thinking about it maybe I did complain about it when we did like a random one-off podcast about The Good Place which does the same thing on my own podcast many many years ago at this point but it always bothers me so much when TV shows even those like Archie based on what are I guess technically like literary works I hate so much when TV shows call every single episode chapter one then chapter two then chapter three like I, I signed on to Netflix and one of the first things I saw and it got me off on the wrong foot with Riverdale was this was like chapter 30 something and it, it, just, it, it always bothers me so much I will readily acknowledge it is completely meaningless I doubt anyone else has ever cared at all but that is something that has always irked me so hard about various TV shows House of Cards comes to mind probably not the most problematic thing about House of Cards at this point yeah probably not <laughs> yeah I I am sure that this is something no one has ever complained about or and I I could never figure out why they weren't calling it I mean if you're gonna do that really obnoxious naming where you're, you're numbering the episodes yeah by total of episodes because I very much like I've noticed some Riverdale podcasts will list off like their title it'll say you know chapter 35 or whatever no 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 I'm doing season three episode five because that's how the normal people in the world track their shows but wait why are they doing chapters and not issue or something yeah. if you want it to be like comic books like the chapter thing 
I think was supposed to be that some people have a theory that like everything we're seeing is or at least for season one was in a book that Jughead was writing because he was sort of throughout the show like writing down what was happening so I think that was the initial premise but it really doesn't make sense anymore issue X would have been an awesome take on a super tired trope I'm now Mm -hmm. wishing that we had gotten Colin to watch the episode where Jughead is writing his Baxter Brothers novel because I think that Colin would have had the perfect response to Jughead's writing which is basically like one sentence you mean like the last episode like the finale no 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 like the Ides of March episode oh yes I think that it would have been so funny for Colin to have to listen to Jughead being like yes I'm writing the best book of all time and every other sentences but little did he know that the perfect (laughs) murder was about to happen but little did she know but like it's literally so horrible and bad and Jughead is an empirically horrible writer and now I'm I'm mad that we didn't make Colin watch that Is one. that on purpose? There's some great... I, I don't I, know. No, there, we're I think he's supposed to, to be good. That he is an incredible writer. At the end of season four, it looks like he might be getting into like a very prestigious like writing college, which we looked up and it's actually a grad school. So I don't know how Jughead's getting into grad school without having done a degree or completing high school. But uh, he, we're supposed to believe that he is an incredible writer and that he is like this genius voice of our time. But he is so bad. Everything he writes is horrible. Okay. Yeah. Also, because for a while there, I mean, he was supposed to be sort of like the loner writing a book, but like Betty is the one who's more of the reporter who's actually doing a lot more of that in the real time. Yeah, there are some great YouTube videos that are just composites of all of the or compilations of all of the Jughead narrating bits that get put together that are presumably like the total of his book. And if you listen to it, it just makes no sense whatsoever. It is is terrible. So so Jughead is like as far as the show is concerned although obviously not the audience but he is kind of intended to be like the voice of the generation yeah so this episode i think i didn't write it down in my notes but usually i write down word for word the jughead voiceover at the beginning which theoretically is supposed to be like the narrative of the story that he's writing this whole time there were a lot of takes at the beginning that like oh he's not actually dead when he's when the episodes where he's dying but it's actually just something he's writing in a book turns out that's not that wasn't the case jughead narrating is like an every episode thing i thought it may have been specific to him being no it's usually it's usually at the beginning and sometimes at the end of the episode yeah, as well pretty but that's about much it. pretty much every episode not every single one and it's mary loves reading them and doing her jughead impression but which i don't have bad. i don't have a jughead impression okay i well. thought i thought not it made just... my fp impression boy boy <laughs> that's actually pretty decent unlike your betty impression which is horrible oh i'm sorry speaking by the way of people doing <laughs> impressions of american teenagers i gotta give credit where it's due uh, i was looking up the actors on this show and seeing that archie is from new zealand uh definitely got the accent past me this episode maybe it's not always as consistent good. yeah it, it definitely definitely credit where it's due he, he got one through on me here yeah not something we normally can critique my, my favorite american accent to critique is in perks of being a wallflower well, yeah, because anytime Emma Watson has to try to do an American accent, it's so embarrassing. That is not exclusive to Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yeah, no, it's just this one line where she says Olive Garden. She's like, we're going to go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> and that cracks me up. And every time I see an Olive Garden, I think about it. But no, our, uh, yeah, KJ Apa, pretty good since he's from New Zealand. New Zealand? Is that right? Yes, yeah. New Zealand. Uh, and yeah, it, it would certainly not be like me at all to make fun of a British person 
for the way they pronounce certain words. So going to give mean, Emma Watson a pass. So it's exclusive to British people. Colin loves just ripping on everybody for their accents. <laughs> honestly, so rude. Well, and this also reminds me, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on the episode when it happened, but it's one of my favorite clips that was on, I don't know who, somebody's Instagram where the cast members definitely like, a, I think it was KJ Appa and Cole Sprouse. So Jughead and Archie are outside their trailers in costume in between a take and they're jokingly practicing lines but the line is just Ronnie did you get that Ronnie did you get that Ronnie and it's just that over and over but they're trying like various ways of doing it and taking it very seriously it's hilarious that's a good one nice I I bet this is one of the better shows for just kind of and this is I'm sure a major consideration for networks like the CW the engagement that the cast can end up getting by just being popular on social media I this embarrassingly had like literally never crossed my mind as far as the CW or Nickelodeon or Disney or whatever that's got to be enormous it's definitely one of them and most of the cast has been springboarded into at, at the very least other Netflix movies if not a couple bigger name I mean Lily Reinhardt was in Hustlers which was pretty big uh, Cole Sprouse was in Five Feet Apart KJ Appa was in a movie that I'm not did it get released though it was it was supposed to be released like right as all the COVID stuff was happening so I'm not sure if it actually went to theaters but he was in another movie so that's they've all definitely used their social media to help with that when season one was happening live that all of the cast members had this was back when like snapchat was still really big and so they were all snapchatting stories that some of which are saved i remember that year yeah, as if yeah, Colin's so. not still on Snapchat. All right. Uh, yeah. No, look, but like, it, but it was a bigger thing, and it was it was one of the first shows to have behind the scenes clips, just sort of of the cast practicing their lines or goofing off or filming each other that were being released as the show was being filmed, not months later. Yeah, that's that's smart. And Riverdale also, so it films in Vancouver, and so I know a couple of people who work kind of in the film industry in Vancouver and have worked on Riverdale in the past, and when the cast is out and about people lose their minds yeah i bet uh it just had never occurred to me and it it makes all the sense in the world now that i have thought about it for one second that like that kind of ability to have the main cast be engaging with a an entire generation that is constantly on their phones or ipads or whatever is i have to imagine an overwhelming consideration at uh, a lot of networks you know i'm normally talking about like cbs shows and i'm guessing that's less the case uh, when the target demo is like 60 and lives in Indiana. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's got to be like the name of the game now for stuff directed at kids. And I am like deeply embarrassed that this had never crossed my mind before. Well, and, and that's something also with this show, like a lot of the cast, particularly the younger cast, was or were relatively unknowns before this show. A couple of them, like the actress who plays Veronica, was pretty much plucked straight out of college and put on this show. So they a, a part of the viewership came to watch for the adult actors the like people playing the parents yeah. i know that i have just discovered the riverdale facebook page the riverdale official facebook page and a lot of the comments on this episode were people saying you know i'm just here to relive my childhood and watch 
watch people like Machen or Ski or Luke Perry, you know, on the show. So that's definitely a part of the draw for some people. The River which... Daddies. I remember hearing about yeah, the River Daddies. Yeah, yeah. River, Daddies. River Daddies. There's yeah. shockingly few of them now. Well, and I did actually, during the first like 20 minutes of this episode, scroll on my phone for a year and a half um, to get back to the date that this show or this episode first aired to get some casuals corner quotes if you guys want to dive into some of those. Definitely. I would love nothing yeah. more. So there were some more from this episode than the last one we did. There were over 3.6 thousand like reactions to the post for this episode. So I guess that's pretty big and like 300 comments. So I'm going to read off four of these here, multiple choice, one of which I created. The other three are real comments. You guys can both just guess together since Kirsten has not looked at these as well. It's hard to look when I, I don't know what's happening. It would also, exactly. that would require preparation work. So that's right. And I just, for the record, I do tend to do prep work on most podcasts I participate in. However, when I was taking notes for the Kowski cast, I was finding that the notes weren't really giving me that much and it was just distracting, which is why I stopped taking notes. And then Mary just started sending me hers. So why would I take notes? So this is a fun fact about my podcast. I do my own notes of things I don't want to forget to bring up as I like rewatch an episode to prep for a given week and I always send my notes to Dom and he can always see all of my notes he always has some sort of notes but I never see any of Dom's notes ever <laughs> well the thing is I think for me I know that there is a l chunk of people listening to this podcast who do not watch the show and so I want to be thorough in the notes to do a recap of the episode as well as talking about it so a, a good percentage of my notes are just a summary of the episode that and like a guideline for me to follow as we talk about mm -hmm. it and then there's a lot of just yelling and all caps i mean i i literally i have more notes for this episode of riverdale than i do for an average episode <laughs> of survivor that's like for yeah. at first mary would send me like an edited version of her notes where she would only send me the summary of events and take out any of her personal commentary uh and then that fell by the wayside and now i get yeah to i got tired of mock that. her for any typos that she makes on the notes that she is kindly providing to me because i'm a <laughs> demon yeah well let me ask you this kirsten did you rewatch this episode for this podcast? I did. I watched it this morning. Great. I turned the episode on and then remembered that I had watched it with my sister two weeks ago, which I figured was enough time <laughs> to just do the podcast without watching it again. Wow. So, so uh, today yeah. I am the professional and Mary is the slacker. Uh -huh. I feel yep. such vindication. I feel like two times watching an episode is enough for Riverdale. It's not even enough, I would say. I think you could both need to get up into oh. three or four. I think this is like a, the modern answer to The Wire where you're not really even getting it until you've watched it three or four times. Mm, gosh. Well, I mean, to be fair, we did we do still have questions about this season and we have seen the whole of the show. We still don't <laughs> exactly know what happened. That's, that's, how you, that's how you know you're watching a quality show like Lost. I'm uh -huh. sure it'll all pan out perfectly in the big final season. Yep. No, no yep. shade on Lost. I do love Lost, by the way. I just, let me, let me state for your audience. I, I, I'm always very <laughs> nervous for saying anything negative about Lost. I, I do love Lost myself. No, I mean, look, I like Riverdale. I think it's a fun show to watch. I think it's also crazy and ridiculous and we can make fun of it. But at the same time, there are multiple things that we came up with as predictions that we thought were great that they have not incorporated into the show. And I'm mad about it because I feel like we're being smarter than the writers. So. <laughs> Well, and they definitely listen to us and they will take them into account. We will see a camera in that portrait of Veronica. It's mm -hmm. going to happen. That's my number one goal. Uh, now that all
all of the river daddies have jobs. Okay, so here's the first four casual corner quotes. I'm gonna read them off and then you guys can guess. All right, A. If something happens to Jughead, I will not be very happy. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. All right, B. It's just not fair that Veronica just gets to waltz into a sex up Archie. There would be guards. That was me. (laughs) That was my comment. So I know that that's not it. Yeah, Colin's actually secretly a Riverdale super fan, and he's been watching this whole time and just doing a very convincing job of pretending not Uh to know what's happening. Yep. C. If I were Betty, I would have broken up with Jug if he didn't stop with the game. I would have told him that I wouldn't want to be with someone, and that's S-U-M, the number one, who pays more attention to a game than me. I would have been mad at him for just ignoring everything I said. Okay, some interesting meta considerations for that submission. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And D, lol, that's what happens when you drink too much cafe. Ha 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 ha. This is what caffeine do to you, and you can't sleep at night. Then you look like Jughead, lol, dot 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 dot. Love Riverdale! Okay, so the name of the game to me really comes down to how much respect does Mary have for the casual Riverdale audience and how much work is she putting into the fake answers? Because those second two really seemed real or at least seemed to me like more effort than someone would put into an answer they were creating themselves. But maybe... That's well, the perfect I did write way. All of these during this podcast, so <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the perfect kind of cover is to yeah. Uh, and this is uh, a fun behind the scenes fact, uh, Mary. I don't know if you even remember this, but we actually played an over the table kind of board game together that was way too complicated for me. Kirsten, you probably were were playing in that as well, but Mary, you ended up being in like the crazy complicated role. And one of like the biggest reliefs of my life was not winding up being that person. Like an hour into <laughs> oh, the yeah. game someone's gonna get like this wildly complex role uh and i was so nervous that that person was gonna be me and everyone would feel like they just wasted their time because i would suck so badly at that so i don't point being there i feel like anything is really on the table here uh as far as mary's agenda with the fake answer can i i'm sorry for rambling but can i get numbers one and two again quickly sure so the first one is if something happens to jughead i will not be very happy exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point and the second one is it's not fair that veronica just gets to waltz in a sex up archie there would be guards okay i kirsten do you have a a strong take here i don't want to influence you but i am leaning in one direction Okay, so I'm having a tough time with this one, but I do think that based on Mary saying that she wrote these while recording this podcast, I'm going to go with B. That was where I was leaning as well. I feel like three and four are too long to be fit. This is, this is the level one deduction that I'm doing and Mary is completely <laughs> potentially owning me here. I would imagine three and four would be a bit much for a fake answer, especially if being written while recording a podcast. I would not be surprised surprised if the fake answer came up when I, a casual, offered a very similar take to the one uh, that is potentially being yes. offered here in item B. That's exactly so what I was you are, thinking. Uh, you were on the money. B is the one I wrote. However, I did write it before you brought that point up. And when I was writing it, I was thinking, did that happen in this episode? Because I didn't rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember if that was this episode or last episode. I also did write a typo when I wrote a sex up Archie, but I just went with it. So. <laughs> That almost, oh, there we go. Yeah, that, that almost threw me into it being yeah. fake. I, yeah. <laughs> See, 
I thought with how much she was emphasizing the typo that it had to be real. No, that's called I accidentally wrote that. And when I was reading it, I was confused. And so it was emphasized because I'm like, that's not what I meant to write. Uh, Okay. All right. Um, Got some more here. So the next round. Here we go. This is my favorite part of the whole week. New Riverdale is the best with a Pops milkshake on top. All right. B. I haven't watched this show since season one ended. And like WTF is actually talking about. I could not catch on one dot 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 c had to go to the diner got to thank everyone dot 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 free breakfast <laughs> it's the calculus okay and d why negative comments why must you overanalyze every little thing go with the flow people this show is amazing and it's the best when it came on like this okay uh, are you leaning any direction this time kirsten so the last one d kind of got my antenna up a little bit because i could see mary writing that to read <laughs> us for Phil. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, going on similar logic as the first time, although maybe I am now falling for the bait and switch. Again, I'm giving Mary a much greater degree of intellectual credit here <laughs> than uh, I am probably bringing to the table. I feel like one was probably too short to for a person to feel like it would not look fake in a an otherwise kind of more detailed group of answers, if that makes any sense. So I'm ruling yeah. out one temporarily the first one reminded me of one that she used in the last time we did this as well but it was a real comment so i i feel like she wrote that trying to lead me astray because i didn't understand that someone would be talking about how every river week is good last time yeah i I I don't think it's the first one i also feel like number three unless i just missed something it seemed a bit gibberishy to be uh a anything other than real uh it seems like it, it would be like performance art if that were the fake answer although maybe i just misunderstood everything or maybe that is absolutely what is happening here but no, i know i'm i'm right there with you okay so mary can i get i'm sorry to do this can i get b and d again sure b i haven't watched the show since season one ended and like wtf is he t- actually talking about i could not catch on once dot 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 oh i could and, see that being fake yeah and d was why negative comments why must you overanalyze every little thing go with the flow people this show is amazing and it's at its best when it come on like this okay uh another perhaps intentional this time typo in the fourth option there yeah i'm torn i'm very torn i do think it is possible that option d is her subtweeting us uh, yeah that's what that's where i'm at all right uh well you know what so if you're gonna go for the d uh phrasing i i (laughs) just for the sake of spicing up the game i will say b uh so one of us gets potentially maybe we'll both just be wrong but but we'll open the door for a difference in scoring here it's more fun this way yeah so you were all over it except for the fact that it actually was fake answer a the short one that was similar when i was writing it i thought oh kirsten's gonna call me out for this being very similar to a fake answer from last time you monster I actually added the second line. Now Riverdale is or new Riverdale is the best with a pops milkshake on top because I thought it needed something a little more to, to differentiate itself. But look, guys, I was writing this while you were talking and trying to listen to you at the same time. Recording <laughs> this podcast so is going to be short. Is Mary's favorite part of every River Week. It's my favorite I am, part. Okay. I am so sorry for making you read the options when neither of them no, was okay. right. No, I love it. That was the right move. We have to make Mary work harder than she wants to. <laughs> I have, okay, I have one last section of these comments because there were a lot from this one. These are all a bit shorter. Okay. A, I 
don't think I can roll my eyes more times than I did watching this episode. Dot, dot, dot. B. You should watch the next one. Watching it first thing tomorrow after I finish Jim. That's Jim, G-Y-M, by the way. Okay. Mary! Uh, C. Uh, what are these writers drinking? Oh, I mean thinking, winky face. This is getting a bit silly. Yet some of it, like, oh really? Lol. But I'm still gonna watch it. And D. Am I the only one who thinks Sheriff Keller is kind of hot? (laughs) All right. Uh... Do I know? I have to go with D because Mary's always talking about how hot Sheriff Keller is, and I shut her down every time. Was Sheriff Keller in this episode? Did I miss a hot sheriff? For like, uh, he's not hot. He's like fine. Uh, there was the he's moment. He's also not still a sheriff in this episode. Is he what? Kevin I'm... Keller's dad? Yeah, he's Kevin Keller's dad. And so when they had like um, lunch or whatever, uh, Josie and Kevin and their mom and dad, and they they found out that their parents were getting married to each other. That was uh, Sheriff Keller. Okay, I'm I've Google imaged him i can see both sides of the argument here if that if if that's your thing i can understand he's got kind of a uh ray Liotta vibe to him i just think that he should be considered a river daddy no he's not a river daddy he's an unemployed loser okay is that your final guess i'm going with d a hundred percent i feel like because it is potentially something she obviously agrees with she may have just pulled that comment as something hey look who other people are saying this too i am not going to to make you read them all back to me again i did want a point of clarification and i should have brought this up last time as well because i found it interesting that last time's fake answer ended with the dot 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 and now this one right away option a also ended with a dot 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 does dot 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 in this context mean there was more to the comment that i have uh, redacted for- nope it just it just means that there are a lot of dots <laughs> I'm tempted to go with a read and say it could be A again if that's like her her tell her tell as a as a fake answer writer. Uh but with that also being a similarity, maybe that maybe seeing that is what prompted her to do the dot 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 on the first one. I'm not even gonna make you read them back to me. I'm gonna actually go with B here. Just uh I, I felt like once Ooh. again C unless I'm misremembering them, uh was a little weird. Can I can I just hear just B again, please? I'm sorry yeah watching it first thing tomorrow after i finish gym that's i'm gonna go with that one that that one seems conceivably fake yeah no that was real kirsten you're kind of on the money here it it was the sheriff keller one however that is a real comment it was just from a different episode but i did see that and i thought that that needed to be included so colin and i were both right i was right that it was the incorrect answer and he was right that you pulled it because you're trying to show me that other people agree i'm sorry he's simply not hot and i'm not ever gonna be on board with that i i do want to point out that I really want to know what the heck was going on with the previous comment in the last round had to go to the diner dot got to thank everyone dot 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 free breakfast it's the calculus what the heck was going on with that comment I think that person might have had a stroke and I'm just praying they receive the medical attention they needed yeah okay well that's all for casuals corner I had a couple other questions about things within the episode but one thing that you guys alluded to earlier as potentially being noteworthy this time around, I eventually pieced together that this kind of mystery guy was, I believe this was Reggie in this episode, because one of my favorite things, one of my favorite moments from this whole week was when they're all gathering together, it 
seems like it's nighttime and they're definitely indoors and Reggie is just at the beginning of the scene sitting there in sunglasses and no one's like saying anything about it or really noting it and then he takes the sunglasses off and it reveals that his dad gave him a black eye when he asked him about his own history with G&G that was something that I really really enjoyed uh, in the episode and I just wanted to check in on if Reggie becomes some kind of super interesting role player within this series because uh, I guess he's kind of along for the ride and there to like pick up Archie once he makes the great escape at the end of the episode but is Reggie someone who becomes like a, a standout over the rest of this I think it was Mary who said something about this being like thankfully like a Reggie heavy episode oh that was um, me because I think that the new Reggie is um, very attractive did they aunt Viv him is it a new actor yes yeah, so season one they had a different Reggie and it's he had that that actor had season one of Riverdale and also was featured in 13 reasons why and so when both shows got renewed he had to pick one and he picked 13 reasons why new red this is new Reggie Charles Melton comes in for season two he kind of he has his moments and then he kind of fades to the background and then he comes back uh, at one point um his the actor who plays him was dating uh the actress who plays Veronica and at that point he had a little bit more of a storyline in the show yeah they made the they made the characters kind of get together for about like half a season and so they were and it's the right thing to do because they truly do have such better chemistry than Archie and Veronica and yeah yeah. Archie and Veronica are a very much tell not show kind of couple we hear that they're in love and that they're dating but we rarely see them like actually have conversations or speak affectionately to each other it's basically just like they hook up and then they're we're end game and that's it and so something also with Reggie that is queued up in this episode is that his dad is abusive and it is a thing in season four where the principal of the high school knows that Reggie is getting beaten by his father but does not do anything about it and instead mocks Reggie to his face about getting punched by his dad it's really bad okay yeah uh so glad to have uh new Reggie in the mix there it's too bad that uh it's under those kind of circumstances but I loved that scene of him just sitting there casually in sunglasses with no one really caring uh, one way or the other. I feel like if that was me with my friends, they would say something. A couple other things that I wanted to ask about in terms of the Archie in jail kind of plot line. And uh, we talked uh, a bit about the whole Shawshank of it all, but the Fight Club itself, I know I asked about like the origin. It sounds like this has been kind of an ongoing thing, but I really enjoyed the, like, as I said, like Ocean's Eleven kind of scheme for these high schoolers to not only sneak into this, I would imagine, pretty uh, secure location, but uh, and they do, you know, hey, I'm the warden's daughter or whatever is a uh, I guess, uh, an acceptable way for Veronica and I, I guess I, I think it was Reggie who was there with her or some other guy, Elio maybe was there with her to get in there but I loved them including like the guy sneaking in with like this loose can of soda and then Josie is dressed up like an Olive Garden waiter uh, serving <laughs> beverages at the at, at this big fight club event where they these people seemingly these like really high rollers watch high school kids beat the shit out of each other this was really fascinating to me and then also just the i don't i know this is not a show where you want to get bogged down in the details i'm fine with that but like archie going from being shivved where i thought i was about to watch him die to surviving this fight with mad dog as he's openly only able to even use like one hand and he makes it through at least a solid minute 90 seconds or so before ultimately the 
then with this with blood just pouring out of him traverse his way through the not tunnel what what is it called like the pipe pipe yeah whatever uh and then get all the way through Drain. to the private area where even though the warden knows exactly where the pipe leads no one is at the end of it other than betty uh, initially who's like breaking the lock with her bare hands i had a lot of questions just about the maybe the science of it is the wrong word but i thought for sure we were going to have more of a sweat that like archie is going to die so it really isn't until the end of the episode where they bring him into the bunker and like the 11 of them swear secrecy and i think it's betty is like very quickly able to stitch him up and he's good to go as long as he gets some rest is there like a lingering concern in future weeks about archie not making it through here let me put it this way in a couple episodes he's going to literally survive a bear attack a grizzly bear archie <laughs> fist fights a grizzly bear in That's this awesome. season of television and gets away and walks I, home i never once while watching this show fear for at least archie's death i think i mean i didn't really fear for any of the characters death i think you more so fear for like are they gonna get caught trying to do this to where archie's going to get thrown back in prison or one of the other ones is gonna have to deal with the wrath of Hiram but in terms of dying I mean look I, they named the show Riverdale I think very smartly and not naming it Archie in order to not really have Archie be the main character because the truth of the matter is he's not the main character so I, I'm not gonna say he couldn't ever die but uh yeah I don't know it's more of just like see how they're gonna get him out and less so like is he gonna survive it I don't know why he needed to be shivved <laughs> right that, that way it seems like very little ended up coming of the shiving other than it seemed just even more insane to me that he could make it out cleanly when he was probably going to be in a condition where he would bleed out on the floor next to Joaquin in any sort of real world situation but it does seem and, and I'm fine with this by the way like Archie or similar characters on similar shows kind of play by like video game character rules where you can take seven or eight gunshots to the torso and as long as you survive it in the moment if you just hang out for a little while, your health will build back up and you can go right back into battle a couple minutes later. Yep. <laughs> I don't play a lot of video games. Maybe that was a very bad analogy. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah, there's not other shows, you know, I'm looking at like your Game of Thrones or whatever. They will have characters who they got stabbed and then a couple episodes later because of that stab wound, there's still a question of if they're going to live or die. That's not really the case for Archie. Even when he gets attacked, the, the shiving, we never hear about again in terms of him. <laughs> like he gets stitched up in the next episode or did that happen it in happened in this one very quickly yeah. yeah so he he does end up going to dr curdle and getting even more stitched up because they find out that it's infected next episode but like even when he's attacked by the bear we very rarely see a scar and he's shirtless a lot whoa uh, that <laughs> so, was that was a yeah they gotta stop giving him tattoos and scars <laughs> That was a question I had about, I, I feel like I may have seen a scar on his forehead. Is that from the show or is that? That's just the actor. Yeah, okay. So it's like a, a Michael K. Williams, one of the one of the greats, uh, just happens to have a scar on his forehead. Yeah, they do write it into the show in the most recent episode or uh, possibly one or two before the finale of season four. They write in that he, what, he fell off his scooter or something like that. Okay. 
Uh, that's I have no recollection of that happening. It was in one of Betty's diaries when she was talking about little kid Archie. She's oh, like, okay. my, so my yeah, neighbor I, Archie who fell out. off his scooter and has a scar on his forehead. Okay, that like makes Harry sense. Potter. I, didn't, I didn't pay attention to the diaries because they were boring and dumb. So that makes sense that I don't remember. Well, that's nothing new. You not paying attention? When stuff is boring <laughs> and dumb? Yeah, of course I'm not paying attention. I love myself. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I did not rewatch this episode, so... <laughs> That's true self-love. Honestly, yeah, I respect it. I watched the it. first five minutes and was like, eh, I don't need this in my life. Oh, one, uh, sorry for uh, this being kind of random and potentially totally meaningless, but I was kind of taken aback at the end when they're all at the at Pop's Diner, I guess, having their milkshakes, probably relitigating their 11-person vow of silence or whatever. The radio is interrupted by news of Archie having escaped from this juvenile detention center or whatever, prison, I don't know. And it says, the, the radio announcer says, it is believed he'll seek refuge in his hometown of Riverdale. Was the prison not in Riverdale or how far away was everyone so, going okay having questions about the geography of the show is very <laughs> valid first and foremost we they never are very clear about we where... went a season and a half through the show thinking the show was set in chicago not so it's in fine. chicago in <laughs> illinois near chicago because we find out that archie's mom lives in chicago and she seemingly can travel back and forth to riverdale so fast that i was like it has to be happening like in illinois however that was obviously stupid because another big plot point of Riverdale is that there's like a booming maple syrup industry so like obviously it would make more sense if it was in like Vermont area um we've come to the conclusion that Riverdale happens in upstate New York and so uh, I think it's one of those things where the prison is not in Riverdale itself but in like an a neighboring other small town in upstate New York you had Josh Wiggler on to talk about what happened in upstate New York that's pretty mind-blowing I do believe that we made a three-person pact that we would never talk about that again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. You'd have to listen to his episode. To uh, find yeah, out. that three-person pact held up about Basically, the same as the eleven-person. Colin, one. I'm telling you right now, and you know that I am ser- deadly serious. If you tell Antonio Mazzaro about this, I'm <laughs> living with you. <laughs> All right, your, your secret is safe with me. I don't. I don't. I do not want to be anywhere near the wrong end of Antonio Mazzaro. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, and what else was uh, I going to add? I had some other random thought uh, sparked just kind of by the end, but maybe it will jog my memory to hear a bit more. I, I think you said something to the effect of like Veronica goes on to find like exonerating evidence or whatever. And Archie ends up getting cleared of whatever charges were initially brought against him. But uh, I would imagine that is a little ways in the distance. How does Archie go about now that he's bandaged up in the bunker or uh, whatever it is reintegrating into like the real world next episode veronica is going to find this evidence but archie so archie was locked up for the, a murder that he witnessed but did not commit and the person who actually committed the murder was one of hiram's lackeys and so this happened uh, see back in season two and so archie is feeling a lot of guilt for that murder because even though he didn't commit it he was sort of involved at the same time so he goes on to try and seek out the the three other kids who knew about this uh, murder, the, the friends of the guy who was murdered, who have also at this exact same time been tied up as loose ends. So these three kids were the ones who on tape, it's um, ad- admitted that they, that they did not see Archie do it and then were paid off by Hiram and the, the new sheriff to 
say that they did. That is the evidence that Veronica finds. At the same time, Archie discovers that three these three kids have also been murdered, presumably by Hiram Lodge. And so he ends up skipping town because he feels like even though he is a free man at this point, he will always be chased down by Hiram Lodge. And Hiram is just going to try and find another way to capture him or kill him. So why would they presume that he would seek refuge in the exact town where Hiram Lodge lives? Yeah, I, I that is one of those things that doesn't make a ton of sense. The other thing to consider, the person who got murdered was like trying to break into the house they were staying in and it could have presumably been like passed off as a case of, of self-defense. Well, it's it's a situation where he broke in. It was armed, uh, attempted armed robbery. A silent alarm is pushed by Veronica and so the kid is running away and as he's running away, he gets caught by Hiram's lackey and is killed. So he, yeah, I mean, it's uh, self-defense adjacent, I guess. It's not, yeah, at the time, it was not, like, when we saw that episode happen, Archie was in no way implicated in, in the death or anything. It was it was episodes later that that sort of comes back as the reason that Hiram tries to frame him, just seemingly, like, because there were no other witnesses besides Archie and that guy who killed him, who also died, I think. I think he was another loose end that got tied up. Yeah, Hiram not Hiram big on playing people. by the rules. Yeah, yeah. So, like we said, lots of deaths. I think we counted once and we were up near like the 40s for just lots of people dying. Um, most of the kid characters have just sort of been written off the show. Let's see, Dilton Doily already died and I feel like another kid this season, ben, Benjamin ben Button, Button already died. Jumps out a window. Well, it sounds to me like the writer's room is really embra em embracing the Shawshank mentality of either get these kids busy living or get them busy dying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, another kid dies in season four when the, the classmates at Stonewall Prep just like murder one of their classmates and then we never hear about it again. Yeah, uh, we've mentioned this several times. Like murder is very like sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. Like the kid who, who died in the woods uh, by Hiram's lackey, we didn't really think that was going to come up and then all of a sudden it came up and it's it's been a big plot point for the first half of season three however then there's like other people who die and you never hear about it again and it, it was just to wrap something up and no one's ever implicated so oh well yeah well hey uh i really i am over overall uh with my one and only riverdale experience to this point i i can honestly say blown away at how much i enjoyed this episode overall uh, i i think <laughs> I, i'm dead serious and i and uh i had virtually no inclination early on that that would end up being my takeaway but i i say this not intending to be disrespectful I like I for what it is like a show that pretty clearly doesn't take itself insanely seriously and, and is aware of the kind of liberties they are able to take with the storytelling like I genuinely do think they do uh, a good job at what they are going for and I could definitely see myself in the future not probably not sitting and watching an entire season but in the right state of mind sitting and reading the entire entire Archie episode by episode plot Wikipedia synopses to find out more about this wild universe because while it's probably not again like I'm not the target demographic so it's not like any dis disrespect intended but it's not my kind of show uh, I'm not a big teen drama watcher in the first place but I do think that a big piece of like succeeding on TV in the year 2020 is taking big shots and kind of creating these universes that are 
if not entirely unlike, at least very different from the kind of conventions that have developed over the last 40, 50 years of uh, television. And I, I really do want to say that Riverdale seems to be doing a, a really good job of that as far as I'm concerned. And I and I non-ironically uh, very much enjoyed getting to watch this episode and have so many of my questions answered by you guys. Well, that's so nice. The show, I will say that for anyone who like listens to one of our spoiler episodes or just um, the podcast without actually watching the show, I would say it's a fun experiment to go and try and watch the pilot. Like, I'm not going to say the pilot's the best, but just to see like how it compares to where we are now. A lot of people say, you know, oh, you got to get first the first few episodes, first few episodes of a show to really get hooked. That was the case for me. I needed to watch, I think, three or four episodes before I got uh, in on it and then proceeded to watch the next 20 um but it is like knowing that it's going to get to this point it's interesting seeing where we started also you could you could read all of the summaries on wikipedia or you just listen to all our podcasts we summarize it for you that's that's another yeah that takes the same amount of time (laughs) listening to all of our podcasts (laughs) yes but you can do other things while you listen to it so that's beauty right now it also like the show my one of my biggest issues with it is it i think it's interesting that you said like it created an interesting world i think the best part of the show are like some of the characters you know cheryl blossom i think is like a really fun character but the show doesn't do a good job handling them because it throws all this crazy stuff in there if they just went with like one crazy plot at a time instead of three or four we could get to know the characters more and i think that it would it would be a show that would last longer you look at the other shows that have been successful in a similar type of demographic like how many seasons of pretty little liars were there mm, six seven yeah so well I guess that's close to the same if we're if we're coming on season five I mean, here you but you can't like, use pretty little liars as an example of good television that no show I'm not so I'm, I'm saying effing like, crazy yeah I'm saying in the same in the same ra- like realm that this one is no like pretty little liars was even crazier you talk to me when Riverdale has the main <laughs> characters kidnapped and trapped in a dollhouse for a, a episode okay. art right yeah they were kidnapped um and uh, put in uh, an insane asylum run by some crazy nuns who were forcing them to take drugs. It's, so, no, it's not the just same. Just saying. It's not the same. Uh, but, but like this show does, it, it, it feels to me like a show that's just trying to like one up itself with how ridiculous can it be with absolutely no care for longevity. And maybe that's the case. Maybe they know that at any point the cast could say, you know what, I'm done with Riverdale and they need to just be able to end it at any time. But I feel like the show could have been one of those shows that goes on for eight nine ten seasons if it wanted to if it had just taken things at a little bit of a slower pace As it could, so could this have been like a I, forgive me especially uh matt Ligori, forgive me like a degrassi <laughs> situation where I, i'm pretty sure they do all right this is the first class we're focusing on and then new high schoolers show up and we start focusing on different people or like friday night lights i think did this i don't think so just because like the point of the show is the characters from the comic okay. book but i i always like the, the comparisons I usually make are it to like One Tree Hill or Smallville or even like Supernatural, some of the other CW type shows that have that that went on for a long time because they kind of figured out what their thing was gonna be and then just like long played it for ten seasons. And so I think they could have done that here. I just don't know if like in this day and age a 
cast and a show wants to to work that way. I think it's more about like, how can we be flashy and be crazy? And even just like the colors and the costumes and the sets of this show are a little bit all over the place. Sometimes it feels like it's set in the 60s or the 40s. And sometimes it feels modern day. It's very confusing. Yeah. Well, let me say, by the way, about the CW, I'm pretty confident this is the first time I've ever podcasted about the CW network. I know it has gone through repeated rebranding over the course of my lifetime, at least having uh, several different just entire names for the network. But that is one of the surprise kind of success stories, as far as I'm concerned, of my like TV viewing career is just how big so many shows on the CW, as it's now known, or just whatever it's been called over the last... The WB, I believe. Yeah, the WB is what I... That's what I grew up with. It was the WB is... It is pretty incredible to me that, you know, TV is a, a, a rapidly and drastically kind of changing landscape, particularly over the last decade or so with the prominence of Netflix and other kind of streaming platforms. Uh, it is really impressive just to be like breaking even as a, a TV network these days in terms of maintaining viewers for your biggest shows for the most part. And it really does seem like the CW has pretty consistently had shows that are making it like double digit seasons and not just for the last couple years, but for like decades at this point. And that is really, really genuinely impressive to me. And while they're not necessarily uh, my go-to shows, I've certainly heard from a ton of different people whose opinions I greatly respect as being big fans of many different kinds of CW or WB shows over the years. And truly whatever you're doing as a TV network to stay crushing it to that extent in kind of relative terms, more power to you. I think the CW is doing a fantastic job from what little I have seen. Uh, maybe they're a super problematic network with like a total asshole in charge or whatever. Uh, and they're exploiting all their workers. I have no idea. But just on paper, as far as I'm concerned, or at least as far as I can tell, it really does seem like the CW knows what it is and does a really good job at that thing. Well, it also, I think, is one of the networks that knew what its demographic was and that it was going to be these, you know, teen to young adult people. And but still wanted to do your sort of classic TV format as opposed to jumping to a streaming service only or something like that. Uh, I mean, notably, you know, Supernatural, like I said, Smallville, One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls. These were all WB and CW shows that Did, went on for... Make sure you say Dawson's Creek. Okay, yeah, and Dawson's Creek. That was Creek, the OG right. for me. That was um, that was like the yeah, first one yeah. to put it... That's, yeah. that's the only one of those that I listed that I have not watched. Uh, so I, that's why it slipped my mind. Sorry. I watched like a couple episodes, you. but it, it wasn't... The it wasn't full, for me. The full series rewatch of Dawson's Creek that my sister and I do every like couple of years is such a highlight because we get to just make fun of Dawson so much for being the worst. And many people will know the iconic Dawson crying scene. And I do have a framed photograph of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I, I definitely feel like they're doing a good job more so than a lot of other networks are. So I say keep it up. Like I'll keep watching. I, I didn't think that I was like a big CW fan until I looked at some of their lists and realized that a lot of these shows mostly because I'm a I'm a TV on DVD buyer so still there was a lot of shows that I yeah 
Yep. I don't. I don't even know the last time I saw a DVD player. <laughs> no offense. Uh, well, I have an Xbox. I, you know, it's the same thing. I, I, I don't have a DVD player, but like uh, when I watched pretty much every show I, I watched growing up, it's like we would watch a couple episodes of something on TV, and then for Christmas we'd get like the whole box set of all of the shows, and then we just, you know, that's like how I watched Gilmore yeah. Girls. My oh my my sister up. had the whole Gilmore Girls box set that she watched on uh, our DVD player back in the day, and in fairness. I don't own a DVD player or any kind of Xbox or video game system. So uh, combining that with the fact that I never leave my apartment, uh, it's not a, a huge sample size. Maybe DVD players well, are still out there all over the place. My, my family also is like really big behind the scenes and commentary fans and stuff like that. So you got to get the DVD bonus features. We also, I think 2019, mid 2019 was the first time anyone in my family had a streaming service like account. So we did not we, we couldn't watch these things and uh we you know we didn't have like a, a means of recording tv unless you were going to do it on vhs tapes oh, I did. back in the day that's so, exactly what i yeah, did we, we we did a lot of that i mean that's how we watched survivor Same. for years but like but you know if you if you're coming home from school and then like five or six o'clock whenever gilmore girls came on we could watch it but then we started doing after school activities but we still wanted to watch the show and we didn't want to you know lose track of where we were so dvds worked great mm-hmm. mary i feel like you just had like the most wholesome childhood and family experience like anytime i I learn anything about your family i'm like it's so it's it's so wholesome i feel like it's from another time and i don't mean that in like a negative way i just know it's so it it wasn't exactly like a kumbaya but it was definitely you know we were in high school still hanging out with our parents going to going to high school uh marching band tournaments and and whatnot so mary i i had this thought uh i've i met you once in person and uh (laughs) i've certainly heard you on other podcasts but i'm gonna make a bold call here were you like high school valedictorian or very close to that or no i was although i did find out because my teacher decided to tell me that i was the last person in the top 10 percent. so that (laughs) that was like a big thing they they literally were saying oh you know people in this class that you guys were all in the top 10 percent." although we did have the last person and then they looked directly at me hysterical geez why'd you need to like what what kind of weird diss is that okay whatever (laughs) how many people um, were in your graduating class i don't know like 450 i have no idea that was was a completely random number i threw out that sounds about right though see we go with that my graduating class was 150 oh yeah my mine was i i was like i think i was like 50 something out of 162 like i was barely top 30 percent in my high school i was five out of 150 just so everyone wow oh wow (laughs) wow look at you go top five mary were you an ra when you were in college no, but I always wanted to be. I was I was a TA and I did work at the dining hall as well. I did look, I I I understand that I had a very pure life. <laughs> so, yeah, I I don't like, mean you have like I was definitely not valedictorian though. That was not like I was not a um, Yeah, no, no, that's I was, perfect. I was, that's a good I was the kind of kid growing up who was like, I want to behave well so that I can get away with stuff. Okay. I, so, yeah, not being valedictorian, but being on the fringe of the top 10% is, is even better than being valedictorian <laughs> because you don't have, like, frantic, paranoid, overachiever energy, but you definitely do feel no. like an achiever. Like, it, it seems to me like you take a lot of pride in accomplishing things. Right. Well, my, my biggest accomplishment in the last two years has been a Riverdale podcast, <laughs> so I don't know. It's only downhill from here. Right. Well, you ended up smoking us in that board game where you ended up being like the killer role. So job oh, yeah. well done there yeah, as look, well. I 
I try to forget about that as much as possible. Like, I love the game Betrayal, but I just feel like it was too much to teach that many people at one time how to play that game. I cannot explain to you the relief in not being the singled out person that I exp- I was so nervous that it was going to be me. I So I have played that game countless times. Like, I have a, I, well, I used to have a pretty regular board game group here, and we would play Betrayal a lot. And it was a thing in the group, which I'm sure will surprise neither of you, that I would always want to get the special role but I never would and then the one time I got it it was like everyone was in the perfect circumstances uh, such that they could immediately kill me and end my opportunity to be the bad guy uh, mm-hmm. it's very on brand for me but that's funny yeah yeah it's, well you're you're very good at getting the special monopoly cards in settlers of Catan so that at least you've got that going for you <laughs> they call me Ms. Monopoly I was uh thinking about my board game group that I had in high school we mostly played Catan do you want to take a wild guess at where our cool hangouts spot in town was where oh, we I played board know. games. I is it is it the yeah. diner, I hope? <laughs> no. It's uh, we didn't have a classic diner. Yep, Panera Bread. <laughs> so we were super cool and occasionally we would move to IHOP if we were, you know, hanging out past midnight or whatever. Yeah. And then they built a cookout and that was And so better. at, at what point did you around. and your friends break your other friend out of jail and then play murder Jumanji? <laughs> Only in my dreams. The Murder Jumanji is uh, w- when we played Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, yes. Murder Jumanji. I have, like, I I believe you guys that we played Betrayal at House on the Hill. I have no memory of being the being the person, but yeah, I, it was, I'll take your word you, for it. I think it was the one where you're, like, the giant spider you were, taking yeah. over the house is the one that we got. And then all I remember from That's that right. game really is that you were the spider. We were very relieved that it was one of us because we had actually played before, and um, um, you like yelled at Charles for not paying any attention and it was an iconic moment in history. Oh, okay. That sounds that sounds more like me. Okay. Sounds good. Nice. Great. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that you seemed interested in the episode and we got to talk through it without uh, me having to rewatch no, it. No, loved so it. This great. was uh, a fantastic time, a great TV viewing experience. I have never, or at least not recently, felt as young as I did watching Riverdale. I felt really connected to the youth. <laughs> that should be its new slogan. Riverdale, it'll make you feel young. Yeah, I mean, actually, I guess, uh, you know, quarantine got me to the point where I finally downloaded TikTok. TikTok. Uh, so that was also a very, mm. uh, maybe not necessarily earned, but re- nonetheless validating moment for me that I could still hang with what the kids were up to. In Riverdale, uh, maybe I just really wanted to feel like I understood it and was into it so I could hang on to some semblance of youth. But no, this is a very, very good time overall. Awesome getting to talk to both of you. It, it's, it's been unfortunate for me that quarantine, even despite having just like so much more free time, I'm no longer doing any of the things that that I used to be doing when I was listening to podcasts. So I've actually been falling way behind on a ton of the podcasts that I listen to. But I have, uh, for years and years and years, been a huge defender of BB4. So Mary, I'm really excited to uh, to hear what you and Taryn have to say about all of that. That's that's very quickly moving to the top of the list. Oh, great. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for plugging (laughs) the BB4 (laughs) podcast for me. I've completely not been doing that because I forgot it was happening. Oh, sorry. I did actually. (laughs) No, I did record some of that immediately before this podcast. So it was more top of mind. Look, after two hours of doing this, I have completely lost my head to what I'm supposed to be pitching for my own self. So look, let's face it. Nobody's coming to the Big Brother 4 podcast just for me. So, <laughs> Well, sorry, hey, by the way. I don't think that's true. I think some people could be. 
Oh, well, I appreciate I, I, I also want to apologize. I don't know uh, if your average episode is like 45 minutes or whatever, and I've gone like triple what I was supposed to. I'm sorry if I if I dragged this out. No, this is this is good. Look, we're we're on we're on Yadis right now. So we've got all the time in the world to talk about about back episodes. This is all great. right. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thank you once again for having me. This was an excellent time. Yeah. Well, everyone, that is going to be it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back next time. Not sure when for something else probably yeah, we, we have a, we have <laughs> two more, we, be doing? we have two more people on deck to do special episodes okay. we just don't know right. exactly when that's gonna happen um we will be jumping back into the season two rewatch at some point i'm very shortly gonna be unemployed so i'll have nothing but time to watch riverdale and i, I think that'll really motivate me to, to find work uh so that's really exciting yeah mary so you're doing this blockumentary right tell tell the audience yes. about it yeah sure i i am if you're a big brother fan i am going back and and doing some coverage on Big Brother 4, which was the Battle of the Exes. So if that sounds intriguing to you, feel free to watch for the first time or rewatch Big Brother 4 and check out the coverage I'm doing over on Rob as a Podcast with Taryn Armstrong for that. Anything else for KowskiCast, you can follow online at KowskiCast, that's Cow with a K, or on KowskiCast.com. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at Frail Mary, and you can follow Kirsten everywhere at Kirsten Said What. Colin, where can people follow you? I think just on Twitter. I, I still, uh, despite being in the TikTok game now, I don't have a TikTok account for the record. I'm not making TikToks that you guys can go and watch. Uh, I still have not. <laughs> I wish you would. I, I, yeah, it's, uh, I don't. I know. I was going to ask. About I, I that. do. I do not see that happening anytime soon. It depends on how long I stay. You're not out there doing the the savage yeah. and, and doing the. <laughs> what are some other ones? I don't the, know. The uh, yeah, the, the box. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there, there are yeah. a lot of good ones. Uh, I. I I still have not broken and gotten an Instagram yet, but I'm on Twitter at Colin Stone. Whatever's going on, you can find there. Get an Instagram. Awesome. What? I have nothing yes. to post pictures of. Ugh. Colin thinks he can hang with the kid, but yeah. obviously he can't if he's not even on Instagram. Look, I pretend that I can't hang with the kids because I feel old, but at the same time, I did spend like a solid three hours today trying to make a TikTok that is not released because I'm editing it. So Is it the Savage Dance? It's not. I don't know how to do Are, that. I'm not a dancer. What is it? Can you so tell us what it is or I, is it? top secret i can't remember what it's called shoot i don't know i don't know what the name of the trend is the song is like is it a challenge it um it's not a challenge what is it called it's just a trend shoot i don't know i literally don't know what the name hold on is it the carol baskin <laughs> savage remix because that one is my favorite by a mile no, that one's carol so good baskin killed her carol husband baskin. whacked him <laughs> okay it's um the song is called think about things that's all I, I, I don't know I don't, if I, I know that know. one. It's been what a little are you while. Do no. What are you doing in the video, Mary? Um, it is multiple of me. And we are um, dancing is not the right word. Bobbing is more the right word. We're 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 bobbing in time to the beat, kind of. But the 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 real goof here is that it's it's three of me in various wigs. Oh, like classic goof. Uh, Classic yes. Mary. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe maybe someday I will get on Instagram, but until whoever sniped at Colin Stone is willing to have uh, an honest conversation, oh. I, I don't know. I, I, I need... If someone can come up with a name that doesn't include, like, numbers or a weird spelling that I have to explain or underscores or whatever, I would be open to joining TikTok, but it's going to take a real home run for uh, of an at name for me to want to lock it down. I'm going to DM Stony the Baloney. person who has at Colin 
Colin Stone right now and ask if they're willing to give up their handle. Keeve did that one time for Haley, for like Haley Strong no underscore, and the person was like adamant. They were like holding firm that they wouldn't give it up. Yikes. This person has only posted two pictures though. Alright, we'll see what we can do. Maybe maybe uh maybe down the line I can I can overtake the at Colin Stone account. But until then, uh just on Twitter is where you can find me. Thank you guys one more time for having me on. Yeah, thank you. All right, everyone. Until next time. Bye. I'm sorry if I went, like, way, way beyond normal. Archie is in jail and Jughead is playing murder Jumanji 